0: In the book The Canterbury Tales, a group of pilgrims set out on a journey across England to pay homage to the tomb of St. Thomas Becket. This taking place several hundred years ago, they talked to pass time along the way and decided to have a contest to see who can tell the best story. The prize that is agreed upon will be a meal bought by the others upon completing their pilgrimage when they return where they started, the Tabard Inn. The church is like a group of people gathered together on pilgrimage. Or at least that's what the Second Vatican Council said. For queer Catholics, we can sometimes feel estranged from that community, inside and yet outside at the same time. We are our own pilgrim people within a pilgrim church. This podcast is about some of the stories we tell, the events we talk about along the way until we make it back home again. I'm Pat Gothman. And I'm Jacob Flores. Welcome to Tabard Inn, everybody.
1: Okay, so for our first topic the pope visited africa uh, pope francis visited madagascar mozambique and maritus over the weekend as a part of a tour of southern africa on sunday he celebrated mass for a crowd estimated at one million and then visited a quarry site to visit with laborers let us say it forcefully poverty is not inevitable he said asking those in development to never stop fighting the disastrous effects of poverty Never yield the temptation of settling for an easy life or withdrawing into yourselves. So I love that
0: Pope Francis continues to freak out all of his handlers and all the priests and stuff that are supposed to keep him safe whenever he goes on visits. There was a moment when he wandered out into the crowd in the middle of Madagascar and just started going like deep into the crowd. Everyone who wanted to kind of like say hi and touch him and everything could and all of the, the priests and everything kind of freaked out because they were like, uh, there was the Pope and who knows when we'll see him again. Um, it's just, it's, it's not, you know, like growing up with the Pope being in the pope mobile, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. surrounded by a glass box, like a little doll, like... It's nice, and there was reasons for that. So there was assassination attempts and everything, but it's really nice to seeing the Pope actually with the people. With the people,
1: yeah, definitely. Um, I don't know why, but this brings me right back to my uh, philosophy of ethics class that I, I took in college. Go for it. <laughs> um, I'm not going to go too deep in it, but I'm just going to scratch the surface here. Um, but it does remind me um, of Paulo Friere's Pedagogy of the Oppressed. Um, and I think it's the quote where he says, never stop fighting disastrous effects of poverty and never yield to temptation of selling for an easy life. That just really reminds me of the idea that the oppressed, um, it's their job, not necessarily their job, but it's in their hands to not be oppressed anymore um, and to do the work. And I mean, it's been almost 10 years since I took the class, so I really like that. He kind of uh, gives a, a supportive, hopeful reminder to the oppressed and to the poor of these countries that Happiness isn't about being rich, but it's about building community and building each other up. And I just really love that. And I think he continues to show how much he has a heart for the margins
0: of the world at these places where there are great suffering. Um, Seeing him go out into that crowd, it reminded me of his very first trip as Pope. Um, It was to the Italian island of Lampedusa, which is halfway in between Tunisia and Northern Africa and Sicily in the south of Europe. Um, and he went to that shore to pray for immigrants who had drowned in the sea trying to make it to Europe. So he like, just continues to go to these places where the world's attention is desperately needed.
1: What a guy. What a guy. All right. What's our next topic? Um, second topic this week. Back in August, the advocate shared an essay by a gay Catholic named Dominic Conover, in which he shared how after he expressed his support for a guidance counselor, who was fired from his Catholic high school after her marriage to her wife became known. The administration tried to silence him and even threatened him with the possibility of not receiving his diploma. While a Catholic priest in California wrote an open letter to Dominic that was just published in New Way's ministry in which he said, You stand in the shadows of prophets such as Dorothy Day, Fathers Daniel Berrigan and James Martin, Sister Monica David, Archbishop Raymond Hunthausen, and many other Catholics who recognized injustice and spoke up about it, stirring the conscience of a nation and a church that ignored the disenfranchised and voiceless. Yet, not all prophets are welcomed or their message desirable because they speak truth to power. The prophetic voices mentioned previously were not welcomed messengers of God. Some were imprisoned while others were sanctioned by the church they served because they spoke truth to power. If you have any doubt about your decisions you have made or make in your future, try not to doubt that God loves you unconditionally. God is proud of who you are. There are always contrary voices at work to silent the prophets, but they have and will fail because God's loving kindness is for all.
0: All right. A lot there. We thought this was worth including the the quote in in full because actually there's more in the letter, but we wanted to include this big chunk of it because it's so powerful hearing that come from a a priest um, Mm -hmm. saying to a gay Catholic uh, student, this guy just graduated high school, God loves you absolutely unconditionally, and you speaking out on behalf of this teacher who was fired for um, her same-sex marriage at this Catholic high school, or she was a counselor. Um, like, you are standing um, with all of these other great Catholics who who have done uh, such good things. I will say, like, it's dangerous to assume that you are a prophet just because you receive any pushback, but... That being said, I do hope that Dominic, like he hears that message, and it gives him some courage to not lose heart and to keep uh, speaking out on behalf of, especially uh, queer Catholics who are employed within the the Church, um, because
1: that's how God made them, and we need them in the Church. Definitely, yeah. If it takes, you know, speaking up, and often that's the hardest part. And if he can continue to do that work in the future, I'm behind him, hundred percent, hundred ten percent. Um, but it just blows my mind that the school threatened to not give his diploma, um, and it also threatened up to expulsion to other students who That's spoke insane. out. Um, I don't have experience, firsthand experience with Catholic um, educational educational institutions. It's but, a trip. <laughs> but honestly, I don't know if I'm surprised or not, um, but I do think that the threat of expulsion is pretty severe and very dramatic. But yeah, definitely a shout out to late Archbishop Hunthausen, rest in peace. Um, I never met the man, but my pastor, Father Ryan, back at St. James Cathedral, was very fond and very close to him. Um, Definitely wish he was still around, um, just so I could listen and meet the man. Um, But he's just so inspiring. Um, If you're not familiar with his work, definitely take a peek at some of his biographies fees and just read about some of the work he did in Seattle. Pretty amazing stuff. Yeah, he was sanctioned by the Vatican because he
0: celebrated a liturgy for LGBT Catholics in Seattle, in the the cathedral there in Seattle. He's an amazing, uh, amazing man. Um, Also, I just got to say, it's kind of frustrating that this priest who wrote this really lovely letter that he had to remain anonymous, because otherwise right-wing trolls would write in a million letters to his bishop, and it would be a nightmare and everything. Like, I get it, but it's also exhausting.
1: Yeah, Y'all are exhausting. Steve Bannon, you need to stop. Everyone on the internet, y'all need to stop. All
0: right, and finally, our last topic, a priest from Dodge City named Terrence Klein. He wrote an interesting article in America Magazine entitled, We Think We Know What Matters Most to God, What If We Are Wrong? In it, he talks about how it is not enough to merely be a generically good person, but also that we have specific expectations, actual things that we are expected to live out in order to live after God's own heart. So instead of just listing off sins to avoid, he says, Consider this list of positive criteria. The Catholic Church teaches that all of these are essential to our lives as disciples, though not equally so. Rather than debate them, just rank them for yourself in terms of importance. Try, really try to refrain from arguing for your opinion. And he lists off these nine different options. He says, the first one are the corporal works of mercy. So feeding the hungry, giving drink to the thirsty, sheltering the homeless, visiting the sick, visiting prisoners, burying the dead, and giving alms to the poor. Number two, the spiritual works of mercy. Counseling the doubtful, instructing the ignorant, admonishing the sinner, comforting the sorrowful, forgiving injuries, bearing wrongs patiently, And praying for the living and the dead. For those of y'all who had your confirmation in high school, you remember probably having to memorize all of those. Uh, Number three, he says, attending mass on Sundays and holy days of obligation and resting from servile works. Number four, observing the days of abstinence and fasting. Five, confessing your sins to a priest at least once a year. Six, receiving the Eucharist at least once a year during the Easter season. And seven, contributing to the support of the church. Eight, obeying the laws of the church concerning matrimony. And nine, participating in the church's mission of evangelization. Oh, catch your breath there. Catch your breath. I know. I felt like I was doing one of my PAs on one of my planes. Okay. So, there's a lot in there, but I thought it'd be kind of fun to try and take him up on his challenge. So... Jacob, how would you rank these nine positive affirmations of the church in order of importance to God, not to you? That is what Father Terrence wants you to do. Is there anything else
1: that you would add? I'm going to actually let you go first, and then I'll go after you since I'm a baby Catholic. Okay, I'm ready.
0: All right, so some of these have different meanings for me than what I think they do for maybe other Catholics. So I'll try and explain why I list them the way I do. But number one, I'm going with the spiritual works of mercy. So I feel like forgiveness and comforting the sorrowful and being patient, that like those are kind of like the groundwork for everything that you do as a Catholic, just as a, your spiritual life. Like Those are kind of the foundation pieces. Uh, number two, I'm going to go with corporal works of mercy. Obviously, this is the stuff that Jesus actually talked about over and over again in his parables and in his admonitions to everybody. And, and I will say it absolutely baffles me how so many Catholics... Uh, think that building up a society around them with these issues is somehow not the role of the government. Because even if you are not a Catholic, I hope that we can at least agree that we don't put children in cages and that we should help the homeless, etc. But apparently those things are still super controversial 2,000 years after Jesus walked the earth, but I'm putting them at number two. Number three, receiving the Eucharist at least once a year during the Easter season. So I have a funny relationship with The Eucharist. Because sometimes I think the whole real presence thing is absolutely crazy. And I really struggle to believe that Jesus is truly physically present there. And then there are some times when I think it is the absolute most beautiful part of our faith. And at a minimum, every time I'm at Mass, I do get the impression that, like, God thinks this thing, the Eucharist, is really important and wants to strengthen us through this sacrament. So whether it's real or not, I'm putting it in at number three. It's real. (laughs) Number four, attending mass on Sundays and holy days of obligation. So there have been periods in my life where I've really struggled with going to mass and I felt like I just wasn't welcome there. I struggled just emotionally to even walk through the door, but that was because of other Catholics, not because of God. So I think it's pretty magical what happens there every Sunday, Um, stopping and resting and attending a beautiful mass has got to be up there in order of importance. Number five, participating in the church's mission of evangelization. So not in the sense of, like, making everyone Catholic, but in spreading the message of human dignity and these values that can help build up a more equitable society. Like, absolutely. It's got to be up there. Uh, Number six, confessing your sins to a priest. All right. As long as we're confessing here, I have to admit I haven't done this in years. Forgive me, Father. But if you get a priest who will actually witness, like, boundless compassion and mercy to you, it is so incredibly healing and wonderful for the soul. Like, it's got to be important. Like, go do it. And for any priest listening, please quit being so judgy behind the screen. Like, just listen and say you forgive us. Like, that'd be awesome. All right, number seven, observing the laws of the church concerning matrimony. Okay, obviously, I believe that the church is going to develop on this issue and expand its understanding of matrimony to include same-sex couples. Um, but just taking the generic principles of marriage being ordered towards love, like, yeah, it's it's up there, sure. Uh, number eight, observing days of abstinence and fasting. I guess I found this to be beneficial to me, but I don't really find... I don't really see how they're important to God per se. Like it helps me. I don't see how it's important to God, or even how God would be looking down on me, being like, "Really, you had lunch today?" So I'm I'm putting it at number eight, uh, and then number nine, contributing to the support of the church. Look, I really don't think that God cares how built up the church it is. I don't think he cares about how amazing the Vatican museums are, even though they are incredible. I don't think he cares about how much property the church has or even how well-respected it is in the culture. Um, now, if you interpret this to mean more like food pantries and migrant shelters and building up, like, the work of the church that I listed in, like, number two, yeah, absolutely. Sure, it's important. But until then, I'm sticking it at number nine. Um All right. What I would add to that list, honestly, like, don't be a dick. I would add that number nine. I think that's important to God to just, like, be kind to one another. Even more so, like, just the way we are in the culture today of really trying to, like, find ways to tear other people down in order to build ourselves up. Like, that seems like something God is, like, just knock it the fuck off. Yeah. You look like you're bringing it full
1: circle. Absolutely. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> Please, I am desperate to hear your list Jacob. Okay um, it My list does not vary from yours very much But um, Number one and number two I kind of put on the same same wavelength The same level um, Corporal works of mercy and spiritual works of mercy um, Not sure which one should come first But I feel that we need to help others To get a baseline in order For spiritual works of mercy to have a greater effect mm, Good point I don't know, I don't no, know. it's fair, okay. it's valid all right, three, receiving the Eucharist once a year during Easter season. Dang, you went with number three with that. Yeah. Okay, I bump mean, it. Let's hear it. We should be getting it as much as possible, right?
0: Yeah. Especially uh, if we're going full <laughs>
1: real presence. Heck yeah. So I feel like the Eucharist is definitely the pinnacle of the Mass. And yes, the idea of the consecration is kind of creepy. Um, but I find it to just be beautiful. I, I,
0: Source and summit. I'm with you.
1: Yeah. The... The kneeling in the pews, the priest raising the the bread and the wine up in the air, and um, I don't know if we're actually supposed to bow our heads when that happens. But when I see you don't people have to, do that, but people do it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, that sense of veneration, I think, is so beautiful. Isn't it funny how a lot of those things
0: that when you're outside the Catholic Church, you're like, "What are with these Catholics?" And they all of these, like, weird little ticks that they have mm-hmm. when they go to church, and then, like, you actually experience it, and you're like, oh, this is the stuff that makes it really special.
1: Yeah, definitely. I, I didn't grow up Catholic, but, you know, when I went to mass with uh, some cousins, I was so surprised about at how many times you guys, or how many times we, stood up, kneeled, sat down, back and forth, back and forth. It just, it was so mind-boggling to me. Um, but I get it now, and it's, i'm I'm all what assignment
0: says the entire time. <laughs> all
1: right, number four, attending mass on Sunday and holy days of obligation. I definitely feel like attending mass creates a sense of community um, with our brothers and sisters, so I definitely think God would want us to continue this and uh, have that ability to you know check in with everybody and uh, foster that that. Camaraderie and that brotherly love that we sh- we all should have, um, which kind of feeds into spiritual and corporal works of mercy. I feel. Um, next one, number five: confessing your sins to a priest at least once a year. Um, okay, so I haven't gone yet, sinner. <laughs> But I was just baptized this year, so my baptism absolved me of 33 years of sin. Blank slate, baby. So, uh, yeah, so there, there's that. But I definitely think God wants us to acknowledge our sins and talk them out with some guidance. Um, are, you sc- are you scared for your first I, one? Yeah, I was just going to say that. I am terrified in the sense that I'm noticing that a lot of parishes do the face-to-face um, mm, confessions. Yeah, it's a thing now. Yeah. Um, I don't know how I feel about that, and I don't know how I feel about going to a priest that I don't quite know personally. And I will
0: say, being for, very open on my end, it's 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 definitely it's terrifying to go to a priest that you know well, like that you've had over for dinner and stuff. Like, you feel like he's going to judge you. Eh, just like, what if he remembers? Like the next time he comes over for dinner, I think that I trans- will say I've talked to several priests, and they say that there's like this little grace that comes with. The sacrament on their end, which is that they like they quickly very quickly forget what somebody said. Hmm. Like they don't walk out and be like, oh, the person three, you know,
1: confessions ago, they really said some juicy stuff. Like it just kinda I think the the transparency um really adds to that relationship of openness and and just creating a a beautiful a beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, I'm just a wimp.
0: What's that? I'm just a wimp. Like I, I don't like I don't like conf- like it's wonderful as soon as it's over. Until then, I'm an anxious mess.
1: Well, um, I can't say personally, but I'll let you all know after I do my first confession. Okay. Okay. Uh, number six: obeying laws of the church concerning matrimony. I didn't really have any strong opinions on this, but I do agree with you that uh, the kind of foundational idea behind marriage. Um, And the rules or whatever behind it uh, can be used by everybody. But I kind of had a difficult time thinking further into this one because marriage isn't for everybody. True. So they don't apply to those who don't want to get married. But again, no strong opinions. But I do think that if you want to take the, the kind of The general idea behind it, then it's pretty important. And number seven, participating in the mission of evangelization. Um, I feel like you can't really evangelize if you don't do the aforementioned in my uh, list here. Um, Because you don't really want to look like a hypocrite. But I do agree with you in saying that we're not trying to make everyone Catholics. It's not our job. But I do feel like we... It is a duty of ours to spread the message, like you said, of human dignity and values um, that we hold so dear. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. Now that I think about it, I feel like that should be a little further up on the list. Are you bumping it? I'm. Um, let's. I, I'm not sure, but we'll we'll put a pin on that one. Uh, number eight, contributing to the support of the church. The first thing I thought was monetary contributions uh is it tipping or tithing 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 um i i don't really feel like tithing is a a thing that people should feel obligated to do but i do feel like contributing to the to the works of the church definitely is something that we should support um so depending on how you you took this idea like you were talking about it kind of just depends yeah, where the, on the list church loves
0: to talk about uh these days how there's you know more than one way to 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 contribute that there's time talent and and money mm-hmm, yeah. um and so yeah like money's a a piece of it and, and money is always going to be essential to um even a lot of these like uh missions of the church yeah. like food pantries and stuff that we we love and support um, but
1: there's, yeah, there's more than one way. For yeah. sure, I definitely do think that monetary uh, contributions is uh, is essential. But I don't expect it from everybody. If you don't have the money, then don't do it. Don't feel But if you have, that. yeah, if you have time uh, or talent, like uh, contributing your talents of voice and song to the choir, which I feel like every pair should uh, uh, beef up. Yeah, definitely. Because <laughs> I'm sorry, Austin. Y'all have some pretty shabby, I feel
0: bad saying this, shabby choirs. No, let's, let's <laughs> drag it. We're on pilgrimage, and
1: we are are dragging our All right, our I'm, I'm being real here. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think contribution to the church. If it's monetary, specifically, that's going to be number eight on the list. But if, again, it's contributing to... Uh, the mission and the works that the church does for the community, I'm going to bump it up maybe to like four or five. So I'm sorry for making this list a little confusing for everybody. Um, all right, And to end it off for my list, nine, observing days of abstinence and fasting. I do think that this uh, can be beneficial personally for many. Um, I don't feel that God really expects it of us, but I do feel like there is some some weight to the symbolism of it, of you know, experiencing what those on the margins are experiencing yeah. and being in solidarity with them. Yeah, definitely. I am pretty bad at remembering when we can eat meat, when we can eat fish, but uh, that's what you're for. That's what so. ba- that baby Catholics, you gotta take baby <laughs> steps, okay? We're gonna get you there. Um, but, anyways, yeah, that's number nine for me. Oh, and by the way, Talking about confessing sins... Yeah. God, I hope my previous boss isn't listening, but... I'm hoping too. um, I lied and said that I was going to go to an important doctor's appointment, but instead I went to Archbishop Hunthausen's funeral mass. Uh, This was last year. Up in Seattle. Up in Seattle. I worked two blocks away, like two blocks away from St. James Cathedral. Um, I knew it was happening, put it on my calendar, and I lied. So, But... Again, that was before I was baptized. That so was before you are baptized. That's been wiped clean. There That's, you go.
0: You are blameless in the eyes of God. Can I get baptized once a year? Uh, no. Okay. Not even a little bit. Damn. You will now resort to saying everything out loud to a priest.
1: Terrifying. Yeah. Just terrifying.
0: All right, given that we're on pilgrimage to the Taberdin, what are we toasting this
1: week, Jacob? Um, I'm gonna big send a big toast to our friends at the podcast Jesuitical for kicking off their new season. We love Jesuitical,
0: our friends in the podcast world, and uh, absolutely they're kicking yeah. off a new season. We're proud of them. Cheers, Cheers. to them. And I'm going to offer up a toast to McCray Game, the founder and leader of Hope for Wholeness, where he was at for over 20 years. Hope for Wholeness was a terrible organization that uh, was involved in conversion therapy and junk silence and basically tortured gay kids for a very long time. But he just recently came out as gay himself, renounced all the work and has committed to working towards uh, undoing a, a lot of uh, harm that he's done over the years. I have a lot of mixed feelings about all of the torture and terrible ways that he treated everybody. I have uh, a lot of years. feelings about this. But this is a good first step and I think that we have to celebrate him and at least say like welcome to the community, welcome to the family you got a lot of work to, to, to undo. I'm watching you. <laughs> but this one's to McRae game.
1: I'll raise a glass. <laughs> I'll cheers.
0: <laughs> cheers to many improvements to come yes. and a lot of work to undo. Agreed. All right, y'all, that's it. Thanks for listening to our very first episode. If you liked it, be sure and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll see you again next week on Taberdin
1: Bye, y'all.